Welcome to the After Dark Podcast, the podcast in which Anthony leads his unknowing friend Conrad by the hand through TV shows. Will Conrad like them? Will Conrad hate them? Will Conrad predict what's going to happen, or will he be lost in the dark? Find out now, only on the After Dark Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the After Dark Podcast. I'm Anthony James, and that's Conrad. Hello! How are you, Conrad? I'm good. I have been... I'm not going to say blown away by this episode of the OA. Say it. Ho- but holy smokes, there's a lot of stuff that are going on in this episode. I was furiously taking notes, and this is the most note-rich and theory-rich episode of the show thus far. I'll say, I'll say that much. I, I, I agree, because uh, I've got nearly four pages of notes here. And I found myself, when I was reliving this again, like I've watched this series a number of times, even season two, but when I was reliving it this time, because I'm doing it week to week with you and sort of really trying to analyze it and stuff now, just how different it is yeah. really blew me away, even though I've seen it multiple times I d- before. I, I did, like, if, I, if we didn't, I mean, we'll get into it, but if, if the literally the opening scene didn't feature Prairie, I would have been checking Netflix to be like, oh, I put the right show on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, someone actually said in the discord uh in the culture cave discord that they were checking after 15 minutes were checking is this the oa like what is this? <laughs> yeah have I, have I put on something that has a name suspiciously like the oa that that, that is a completely dif- different show with a completely different set of characters because i don't recognize anyone in this <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh absolutely fantastic right okay so obviously guys you see we're gonna have a lot to talk about um how have you been conrad what have you been up to um, looking forward to the end of the UK lockdown. It's coming up, coming up fast, which will be good. Um, apart from that, really not much to be honest. Uh, like things, things continue to be uh, a hellish nightmare <laughs> here in here in old Blighty. Uh, what about you? Uh, well, actually, yeah. So some of the I mean, you're in Blighty as well. To be fair, <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, technically, I'm not because it's actually the, no, the that's uh, true. Yeah. United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. So yes, uh, that's a fair point. I don't, I don't. Yeah, I've never really thought about that before. You I suppose can't Blighty. Have a, we have a we have a union with Great Britain. You can't have a union with something that you are. That's true. It's a good point. Yeah, um, we don't. And as much as it, I may be tempted to do so, we're not going to get into sectarian politics on the, on the <laughs> not, After Dark podcast. Not yet. Uh, so okay. So basically, that is. Um, oh yeah. So I was going to say, you're saying the end of the lockdown is coming up. That's true. But also, like the uh, I've had a, some exam pupils come back to school, so I have to drive all the way down to work, forty five minutes, teach for an hour, and then drive back. And then teach the rest of them uh, remotely. So uh, it's been a bit, uh, a lot of driving. Um, yes. Actually, almost. Ema's also just started a job in the film industry, so I'm dropping her off to work too. So I'm literally driving probably fifty percent of the country's length every single day at the minute. <laughs> have you have you got um have you got the OA on the phone on the dashboard and like recording your notes with a dictaphone? Uh... <laughs> no, no, I'm not watching anything while I'm driving. Don't you worry. Although I will say, uh, <laughs> I do worry. Funny you say that. I do worry sometimes. Sometimes I listen to music on my phone. Uh, on YouTube, like I'll put a playlist on, and then I've got a, f- a phone holder, so I'll turn my phone so it's not facing me, right? Yeah. And I'll just listen to the music. And I think to myself, if I had a crash and they got, and they got my phone and looked at like the, the 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 background of the phone, see what I was doing. Technically, I'm watching YouTube right now. Yeah, that's in, that's a, a, a potentially damning and indicting piece of evidence. Yeah, I there. think I probably need to download the Spotify app just to yeah, invest in a it. invest in a Spotify account. That's your that's the. We've already got the one. The that's the funny there. thing. But we only pay for the one account, so when Emma listens to it, I can't. But anyway, anyway, guys, we're getting off track here. 
Um, uh, so, guys, could you please subscribe to The Culture Cave on YouTube if you haven't already. Subscribe on audio apps is that, if that's how you listen to podcasts. If you could like this video, it would be very, very nice. You can click the little bell as well. Apparently, that actually does notify you. I don't know why they don't notify you of your uh, subscriptions anyway, but apparently you need to click that. Um, yeah, if you want to send an email to adpodmail.gmail.com, we do read those emails. Uh, and we also take questions for Conrad, either there or on the, this video for the next episode. A lot of people are giving us a lot of suggestions about what we could do on the Afterlife podcast in the future. I think we're almost pretty certain we're doing the West, Westworld next because it is such a huge show. A lot of people would have seen it. I think we could all have a chat about it. Also, we are we do know that the quality apparently does go down towards the end. So I'm looking be, forward to that, though. It'd be fun. It'd be fun to actually chronicle that that on the show. Uh, people have also suggested a lot of people suggested the leftovers. It's not a show that I've yeah. seen, but I've heard very good things about it. So I do need to check it out uh, and become uh, you know familiar with it before we bring it to the podcast. But it's something definitely we could do in the future. What was Frank- um? What was that 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 like secondary school comedy called uh, from when we were like? in our early 20s the in-betweeners that's what i always think of when everyone says the leftovers i'm like it's not really a theory crafting show but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah i think the leftovers might be something different yeah yeah the leftovers i think it's like people left over from some anomaly or something i'm not 100 oh, sure. okay i think Liv tyler's in it actually but i'm not 100 sure um Old arwin which, yeah arwin yeah one of those uh, but anyway uh thanks very much guys uh for joining us for this episode we are going to be getting into the breakdown I think I've said all I need to do. Oh, yeah. Link to the Discord description. Link to a t-shirt in the description if you want to support the podcast. Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, let's break it down. Season two of the OA opens up with a a text or title card. It says, well, it's not actually a title card. I think that I can't remember what the name of this episode was. I didn't write it down either, actually, which is uncommon for me. Normally I do. Um, Yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll figure it out later on when I'm doing the rating. Um, Oh, it's Angel of Death. Angel of Death. Um, Okay. I know, very, very cryptic, isn't it? Um, but yeah. anyway, it's, it opens up with, it says on the screen, seven hours and 46 minutes later. Yes. Okay, so that's the yes. time's passed. Time has passed. And uh, it starts up with a skateboarder um, going down a hill. Uh, I'll just cor- I'll correct you there, Anthony. It's a long border, thank you very much. Not a skateboarder. Oh, okay, all right. All right, interesting, interesting. Um, it's funny because whenever you, uh, will we say a border then? Because whenever you're sure. riding a mountain bike or a road bike, you still just say a cyclist. So. Yeah, I actually, I might have just uh, put my foot in it there, and maybe longboarding is included in like the pantheon, the, the sort <laughs> yeah. of the broader genus skateboard yeah. there. Uh, so possibly, but yeah, but yeah, someone, I was, certainly... someone was partaking in extreme sports. Sure, um, yeah, and and I, and I think if you honestly, if you'd have asked me. If you'd have put a gun to my head at the end of the last episode of the final of, of the previous season and said, "How is the second season going to open?" Um, I would not have imagined that it would open with uh, some dudes longboarding past Prairie in a sparkly red cocktail dress and off a cliff. Like that was not that was not high on my list of potential beginnings for this season. Yeah, off a cliff into the water. Um, yeah. Is the way that it was shot? Here's a question for you. Is the way that it's shot, uh, we're introduced to the character of Kareem Washington, played by Kingsley Benadir. Uh, is the way that it's shot there and the transition would imply to you that he dreamt that? Or what do you think? Yeah, I think I think that's my read of it. Very, think, very leading question, I will say. But yeah, yeah, no, I, I think that is my read of it, is that he is dreaming, he, is, he has dreamt that. Um, and if this show has taught us anything about dreams, or particularly, um, especially vivid dreams, it's that they can proceed 
events that are actually going to take place or perhaps this is depicts depicting something that's already happened he doesn't seem at this point in his life like he's really into longboarding to be honest so he could <laughs> yeah, yeah. he could be recalling something um but uh but yeah i think you you don't show a a, a kind of slightly well let's let's use a handy adjective here a dreamlike sequence and then show someone waking up without it being as strongly implied that that was them dreaming about it yeah exactly um all right, so we're in the world of Kareem Washington now. Um, yes. He lives. He lives on a boat. Um, he does. Uh, he wakes up. I, I actually heard within that dream. I heard like uh, the banging of the door because I knew it was coming. So I was listening for it. Uh, the 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 granny uh, of this character Michelle, we'll find out in a minute, was banging on the the door of his boat. Um, and then when it came into the real world, the banging continued, and there was actually we were in the real world then. So basically, Kareem Washington seems to be some sort of. Um, private investigator private uh, eye yeah it's yeah, like PI. um it's like uh i believe once a, um oh what is it called chinatown i believe china the the, the the jack nicholson uh roman polanski film noir i believe is set in san francisco as well and i feel like he's kind of occupying that role mm-hmm. of like you don't you don't put a pi in something unless you're going for some kind of noirish tropes and yeah. uh and kareem uh, washington is our guy uh for, for for this for this run around with it but we know we're in we know we're in san francisco because they use the golden gate bridge which yeah i would i would put money on the golden like establishing shots of the golden gate bridge being the most common establishing shot in all of cinema and television because it's it's just like maybe maybe big ben or something like that is a pretty common one big as well ben. but, mm-hmm. but I, I feel like there aren't many cities that are defined by one single landmark as much as san francisco is defined by the golden gate bridge yeah, like yeah, I think I think you're pretty close. I was actually in San Francisco, and it is very striking. So I can understand why they want to as well. But also, yeah, yeah it's shorthand. This is where we are. Although this this does actually take place in a couple of cities within California. Uh, this episode, which we'll uh, yeah. talk about yeah. later on. Uh, but okay, so grandmother's at the door. Michelle is missing. Um, there was a fair, fair bit of information in this episode like every scene had a lot um oh my god there's so much shit in this episode like not shit in a bad way i was just like good god slow down for a second right let me, let me i had to up. honestly i had to um while i was trying to make the notes of everything to what what, what they were saying i honestly had to like kept clicking the back 10 seconds button oh but yeah absolutely me as well like there were there's probably a load of stuff i've missed to be honest mm-hmm. so that what you've just said there about this taking place in a couple of cities in in california i didn't actually even catch that it, it left san francisco at any point um so yeah, yeah. Went, to, went to oakland um oh yeah okay i did catch they went to oakland actually now you mention it but um yeah even this scene is like it's, it's, it's like it's really like interestingly written actually because it's you know they, they're giving you information that's almost like inseminating it into you it's like you're starting to think about what's said in this scene throughout the rest of the episode so she's talking yeah. about her you know her granddaughter going missing um and then you know gives a gives a photo of um her, her granddaughter to uh to kareem washington mm. which looks like it looks distinctly like buck before buck transitioned um and, and then it's talking about how long it's been since she saw like her granddaughter but she's also talking about her sending her money she's showing text messages with emojis that <laughs> i was like we need to get a zoomer on this case because <laughs> i'm too old to understand what octopus wine crying prayer key means um <laughs> and and you know say say what you will about um kareem washington as a pi but he i think he finds a zoomer i don't know i don't know what the cutoff for zoomers actually is but i think zendaya might be one when we get to her yeah, well, I would assume Zendaya is a Zoomer. Um, 
She's got the Zoomer energy, if not the age. Uh, I'll, I'll say that much for her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he finds out very quickly that uh, the grandmother is uh, Vietnamese. So then yes. he he straight away goes over to his mate Duke. Uh, yeah, I like D- Duke. Duke. Duke served <laughs> immediately in suspicious yeah. when he's like, "Do you do you speak Vietnamese?" He's like, maybe. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a simple he's, question, Duke. You served in Vietnam for a year, didn't you? It's like a year. Jeez, he's good for that's he's good for a year. Like he wasn't oh. even in the he wasn't even in the army. He was just like serving in a deli. Like he's just that's how good he is. He was yeah, I guess time. that is is that the implication then? Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it, but yeah, I guess the implication is he served in the Vietnam War, which he doesn't look old enough to have been in the Vietnam War because <laughs> well, that was in like the late sixties. Yeah, but he's also Australian. Yeah, that's weird. Did Australia have a war with Vietnam that we don't know about? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I I'm sh- I was showing my ignorance of my of my home nation here. I have no idea. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe he served no in like idea. the Peace Corps or something like that. Like he looked like yeah, a bit yeah. of a sort of Greenpeace kind of type. So yeah, maybe he's living, he's living on a boat. You know, it probably was it. Probably that probably was it. Um, yeah. Sure. So they they repeated a few times. Michelle is invisible. Um, yes. So they mentioned a lot of details here. I don't know whether I could should spell a lot of these details out for you, but I'm sure we've talked about. I'm sure you were taking notes about them. If I say something that you didn't uh, know. Sorry, listeners, uh, it's just the way it's going to go. So basically, because I'm just recanting the dialogue, basically, right? So um, they talked about that uh, Michelle uh, was from Michigan. Yes. Her father disappeared, maybe died. Um, and then Michelle has been... But then, like, in the next sentence, like, pretty much says that Michelle has actually been getting money from her father. Um, oh, is that which I... Okay, so I thought... Because they talk about Michelle sending money to her grandmother as well. Um, in well, it's, it's said in Michelle episode. has been getting money from her father, but I don't know whether that's just the grandmother's assumption. If you know, what okay, I mean. yeah. Oh, it's so so of, what it yeah. could be her the money she is sending back to her grandmother. She is assuming is the money that her father has sent her, or something like that. It okay. could be because as this episode goes on, it sort of sh- is showing us where Michelle's getting this money from potentially. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, also, uh, there's a cool picture of Michelle playing the drums. Uh, yep. Yep. Um, and it zooms in way... I was talking to uh, Conrad just before we started recording. I said, I'm not giving you any points for saying that that's Buck. I'm just not. Yeah. It, it zoomed way in on the face. It, like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, okay, so, I mean, to give to give the listeners kind of an insight into how my brain was working here, I was like, okay, how long ago is this happening if, if we are to believe this is, you know, the same world, I guess? Um, so my mind at this point was still on, okay, this is Buck before before they transitioned to, to, to being male. Um, so it must be, you know, this must be a flashback or, or, or something like that. And I was thinking, oh, the money that she's sending, um, that she was sending to her grandmother was potentially from selling drugs with Steve or something like that. But to be honest, I was pretty rapidly disabused of that almost within the next the next scene. Like, it pr- becomes pretty clear in this episode that the chronology of Michelle's disappearance and what we know about Buck as a character um, just doesn't line up, um, which proposes some interesting theory. Well, and and to be honest, but like there are other characters we meet in this episode. It's yeah. like okay, well, there's obviously some multiverse stuff going on here, guys, because I was like, okay, this chronology doesn't uh, doesn't line up. So I, I was debating with Anthony before this whether that would even go in the theory matrix it's one of those theories where i was like i was kind of i did get there before the episode kind of handed it to me but it was still in the same episode where they were like yeah there's there's we're in a different we're in a different reality here guys (laughs) okay um yeah so maybe the uh listeners could uh weigh in on that should conrad get a get a point uh in the theory matrix for predicting mid episode that there's potentially like a multiverse thing going on. Yeah, I, um, I feel like, and I, I feel like personally, I'm kind of against it purely because you 
did ask me in our last episode whether I thought there was going to be multiple versions of the same people. And true to form, you've asked me that question twice for the two seasons of the series we've done. The first one was for Dark, where you said, oh, do you think they're going to get into like family tree fuckery? And I was like, no, 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 no. That's not going to happen in this show. <laughs> and, then, and then, and then, last episode—I think it was the last episode—you asked me, "Do you think they're going to get into like people meeting like alternate versions of themselves?" And once again, I said, "I don't think that's going to happen, guys." Yeah. <laughs> and then within one episode, it's like, "Well, I'm an idiot." I was just trying. I was just trying to get a get a theory on the board either way for uh, for them just before we found out. You know, I think yeah. sometimes I wear my I, I wear wear it on the sleeve uh, where I'm pointing you. But the thing is, from your perspective, you have no idea when I'm doing that and when I'm not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I just think it's an honest question. I'm like, I don't think that's going to happen. That sounds ridiculous. And then by the end of this episode, it's like, well, of course it's a multiverse thing. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Okay. So we find out that the, uh, she was getting paid through Ethereum. Um, Yes, which which is uh, thirty one thousand dollars were in Michelle's account. Is that a real uh, thing, by the way? I don't know. No, Ethereum. sorry, I, I said Ethereum. I my head says Ethereum because there is actually a cryptocurrency called Ethereum, but in the show they're saying Ether. Yeah, Ether. Um, that's right. Yeah, but I, I wasn't. I didn't look, stop to look up whether like I assumed it was a cryptocurrency thing, but it is I a cryptocurrency. Know. I don't know whether they are really meaning it to mean Ethereum because Ethereum is a real one in real life. But this, I don't really know whether they were aware of that. I'm sure they were, but they just called it Ether. Anyway. Ether um, sounds believable as a cryptocurrency name. Yeah, yeah, it does. Everything's in the Ether, if you know what I mean. Um, mm. So, basically, uh, the Korean then goes and checks... Um, he, he's, he's, he goes to the, to the house that she was staying in. Uh, she yes. was staying with a Vietnamese family. Um, and I love, that he, I love that he just kicks the granny out of the room, you know? Yeah, doesn't want her like earwigging on the conversation, so it's just yeah. like get out. And there's a there's a great little moment, great little granny humor moment when he when he's kicking her out and she's she's you know walking away and like kind of complaining in that way the grandmas do. And then she starts walking down the stairs and she kind of peeks her head back round just to see if he's still there because she's clearly thinking about <laughs> coming and spying on the conversation again. So I was like, I like this granny. She's all right. Yeah. Um, so but, uh, uh, so sorry, go. No, no, you go. I was going to say Kareem. Uh... Kareem comes back in the room and says, uh, you know, was she hustling? Was she selling her body? Trying to just sort of, that's, someone goes missing in a big city. It's sort of the first thing. And all this money was found. Yeah, all this money. Yeah. Yeah. So he started thinking, is that what she was doing? Also, he found out that she's technically homeless at the minute. So therefore he's thinking, you know, could it be possible that that's what was happening? Yeah, and, which is, um, I think what her grandma. I think the use of the word invisible is interesting in this because mm-hmm. obviously, from our point of view, we know something about um, Buck's character where the word invisible has deeper implications yeah. than perhaps the grandma is intending. So it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a clever use of the word. But for me, I, I think I took that to mean she's homeless and potentially the grandma isn't isn't a, like isn't a legal immigrant or something like that. You know, so she's she doesn't she's not registered to live in the US. Um, mm-hmm. Something along those lines. Yep, exactly. And uh, so uh, grandma uh, gets well, the text to grandma is gets translated then by these uh, Vietnamese people that she was staying with. And it's, it's along the lines of I want to come home, but I can't. Maybe I'll make enough money. I can get us a house again. So yeah. standard stuff. Pretty pretty uh, standard stuff. Yeah. And, and I, I think the, the one thing we missed here, which I thought was interesting, is that you, you get um, Kareem on the phone with someone on the train yeah. uh, while they're on the way over to this house. And that's kind of where I started to suspect that he might be a former cop because in every basically if there's a pi in any kind of movie or television show they were definitely a cop before and still have connections on the force and uh turns out that that's probably the case here as well 
Well, yeah, he seems very connected. He knows all the channels to look yeah. for look for uh, stuff and everything like that. Um, so basically, he's then outside. He's he's going in a shop, but then he notices that walking past is the young boy who who is, uh, I would assume, is the child of the Vietnamese couple that was looking after all yeah. Michelle was staying in the house of. And he like goes up to him and says, "Hey, hey, I want to ask you a couple of questions. First of all, um, Thein is his name, but he goes by Donald. Yep, Donald. Great. What a name. What yep, a name. And I, I, I thought it was bold of Cream to bribe him with uh, peanut M and M's, uh, because you know there's a significant risk that you're going to yeah. kill a child if they have an allergy <laughs> with that yeah, choice. Yeah. Definitely. Like, like, actually, funny that you say that is uh, like because my wife's went back to work now in the film industry, and most most films like they just say no nuts. Most workplaces don't they? They say no nuts allowed. Yeah. And I I always like found it funny. Like, <laughs> I was gonna make the worst joke then. Why oh, am yeah, I allowed yeah. to work here then? <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. But uh, well, well, I always found it funny. This I've talked to people in the past. Whenever like you know, I was like, oh, you're not allowed nuts here. Whatever. There's a pupil with nuts or whatever. Or like you know, actually, I don't know. Not even in this job, but in general, in general jobs, I think there's always some people who are like absolutely ridiculous guy and bring. Yeah, it's just like just uh, is it that ridiculous guys? Just err yeah. on the side of caution so you don't kill anyone. By yeah, exactly. Like have your peanut butter when you get home. Like yeah, come on. yeah, you can wait the six hours, guys. It's not going to kill you. It might kill yeah. them. <laughs> That's like one little aspect of sort of like going against every decision. I never understood that one. I just never understood that one. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so it talks to Donald. Uh, Donald leads yep. him to a house. Um, yeah, lovely old house. I love the old house. Uh, big is I think it's very dark green. As if I it is, yeah, it's dark green. Um, and if I know anything about San Francisco, it's that rent is incredibly expensive there. Uh, so whoever owns this place is wealthy as fuck. Um, and we don't actually find out who. Um, yeah, and I, I, anyone who doesn't listen to our movie podcast, I will just plug here: the Last Black Man in San Francisco, fantastic film, kind of about the uh, <laughs> the San Francisco property market, kinda. So. Yeah. <laughs> check it out it's a great film uh so basically uh michelle i uh, would sleep in this in this place actually donald went down and like went through the like the basement or something like he climbed underneath came through opened the door for kareem yeah. kareem comes in he goes up finds where michelle was sleeping um he opens he sees a load of load of notes on the roof yeah crazy thing. crazy stuff there's also um there's there's a great creepy wide shot of um when when they first discover where where michelle was sleeping um uh, a sort of front-facing shot of kareem looking down at it and you see the character kind of walk in through the door behind him like silently and then disappear off to the side and it was it, it i love shots like that because they just introduce attention to the sea it's like ah fuck there's someone in the room with you um <laughs> like and uh, it worked on me i was very tense in this scene after that um yeah. Yeah, yeah so, there's a lot of stuff going on. Where, yeah, like, like I, don't, I don't even know how to. Each scene is so big. I don't even know how to. Like, I don't want to give you it all straight away and have you discuss it all or go bit by bit. But so basically, there's a load of stuff on the roof. Anything you noticed about this straight away? What the the, the drawings in particular? Yeah, not really. Like I, I was looking at it. Like, well, that looks not normal. To be honest, that looks like not a normal puzzle solving. Um, method it's not uh, so I, good that's for sure no no exactly i mean you get you know the you get the reveal that that uh, michelle um who at this point i was starting to say because i think they said she'd been missing for like two weeks or something uh so i was like okay that timing doesn't make sense so this has to be like an alternate version of of buck slash michelle where where where, where they never transitioned or, or or something it can't can't be an early it, this can't be a flashback to an earlier time in that character's life yeah um even if maybe some of the events line up i'm not sure but um mm. 
the uh, yes, we find out that that Michelle sent thirty one or got thirty one thousand off of this game, which isn't named at this point, but we find out it, later it's Q Symphony, um, and they're not allowed. They're very guarded. Donald seems to know a bit about it, I think. Um, but they're I will very just guarded. say it's very interesting. Not, this is not a political podcast, but there's a Donald in this episode. There's a weird sort of cult thing about Q in this episode. Just it's. That's a good point. And Joe Biden is president as yeah, well. Yeah, like. exactly. Like, this is... It's like, talk about Simpsons predicting things. <laughs> yeah, X-Files theme music. Like, yeah. yeah, it, it's... Uh, yeah, it was... It is weird, actually. Now you mentioned that. Um, yeah, and the game itself looks kind of nuts. It's just, you know, lots of... Passageways. Doors or passageways, yeah. Um, and, then we, and then we meet this pink-haired chap... Before we get to the pink haired chap, did you notice whenever Kareem opened the little uh, thing, there was a ho- like he took the poster off the wall, there was a hole in the wall. Um, um, did you catch that I, part? I don't, I don't think I did notice that, actually. Or maybe you were taking a note then. So basically what happened was, next to where Michelle slept, on the wall there was like a little poster, and he, he opened, he took the poster off the wall, and there was like a hole in the wall there. And, and that's where her phone was. It was in, yeah, it was in there. But as he was looking through, there was like a mirror on the other side or something, so he saw his own reflection there. That's just. Oh, uh, okay. I didn't. I didn't notice that. But I mean, I wonder if that's. I wonder if that's a reflection that this character has has the same kind of gender identity concerns that Buck um, that Buck had as well. Like we we we've seen Buck very explicitly interacting a with a mirror. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that's a callback to that. I'm not sure, but could be potentially or maybe when i first saw this maybe i was thinking as well or like maybe this is like a sign that like he's gonna get lost in it too you know yeah could be that as well could be could be much more directly related to kareem um yeah but yeah. uh yeah i mean there is th- this episode has like symbolism coming out the wazoo quite frankly <laughs> <laughs> okay okay so basically the pink haired uh gentleman yeah attacks kareem yeah um i think says- he bites him <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it goes up absolutely nuts. Um, and and he says a few things here. Um, yeah, he does. He says, "I solved it myself. My brain can hold all the brains. Yeah, my thoughts can hold water. I've yep. seen a million versions of my myself. These are mine. I did this." And then he jumps out a window. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> perfectly normal behavior. I don't even really know where to begin with this guy. To be honest, I, I think. My my, if I'm if I take kind of like a step back from what he, the, like literally interpreting what he's actually saying and think about the context in which he is saying it, my read of this character is he has internalized a lot of the puzzle solving mechanics of this game for so long that mm-hmm. he's been driven insane by it. Um, I think that's fairly self evident. But I think there's also you know he's seen a million versions of himself. That's like hmm okay like we've already seen two versions of one character in this episode so you know that definitely fits in with where i think they're going with this kind of multiverse theory stuff um i'm not sure about the like my thoughts is my thoughts can part water is that what he says hold water oh hold water yeah so that's like telekinesis he's talking about there which i i I don't know i don't know what to, to like what to read into that but but i mean it seems like the the puzzle solving aspect of Q Symphony has driven this character insane. Um, yeah, the grabbing that like uh, the grabbing of Michelle's phone and like jumping out the window. I feel like there's got to be something to do with triggering an NDE in there. It's got to be. Um, you know, like he's trying to jump. He looked to... like he did survive at the end when he was coming in yeah. to going into the ambulance. He, his eyes were still open. 
That's true. true. But, I mean, Prairie survived as well. Yeah, so, and, could, uh, so that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it could be that he like he knew the fall wouldn't kill him, and he was trying to trigger some sort of MD, MD or something. Yeah, like that. I just I, I feel like that in a show where we've so explicitly talked about you know NDEs allowing you to 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 you know slip into this current that transports you between realities, mm-hmm. that seems far too convenient to not be at least you know at least slightly related to what we've seen previously. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So uh, Kareem sort of says to Donald here, "You don't want to see that boy," and he sends him on his way. And then the, the, <laughs> yeah. the cops, uh, the cops are there. Yeah. Uh, one of the best self owns I've ever heard a policeman say. Uh, why did they come now. to you? Well, okay. uh, he says, "Why did they come to you?" Uh, and then uh, so they can pay someone to give a shit. It's like, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that is great. Yeah, I, I, I will say I did find um, racist dickhead cop a little on the nose in the way that he's written. It's, a, it's like, come on, all right. Like talking about you know, like why did they come to you? Like, don't they not? Like, do they not? I thought they didn't like blacks or something. Is what he says, and it's just like, come yeah. on, dude. All right, that feels like. You, you, that that feels very clumsily written. It's like, uh, how do we make this character be the biggest piece of shit we possibly can? Um, but th- this this little exchange, um, particularly with the other cop, who seems you know much more um, normal. <laughs> well, later on, whenever that uh, dickhead cop actually talks to the other cop, oh, no, he's talking. The, the better cop was talking to Kareem after the dickhead cop went away, and like he says, like you know, he's he doesn't like you for this or whatever. And Kareem goes. Is that really the reason? It's like, why are they acting like all subtle now? He just literally said that. Yeah, yeah. Like the, black he, the guy who, I mean, you know, say what you will about about his his politics and his social beliefs, but at least he's honest about them. <laughs> like, you don't have to guess with that guy. Like, it's very clear that he's a racist. Yeah, yeah. Um, everyone knows. You know. Yeah, he's not being subtle about it, guys. But um, yeah, so I mean, we get pretty much. I, I read this as confirmation that Kareem used to be a cop, given he has this relationship with this police officer, and he's kind of blasé about coming in to give a statement as well. Like he's sort of like, yeah, whatever, I'll come in. <laughs> like at some point, like he's not. Um, he's either been working with the police for a long time, or he was a policeman. I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So Kareem goes and sort of goes to like a rave place. I don't know where. I don't know what's going on here. Like. I'm just going to say in the build-up to this, right? I, I did have the subtitles on um, for this episode. Uh, I don't normally have subtitles on, but my, my partner watches stuff with subtitles and they were left on without me noticing. Um, the subtitle for the music in this rave place said heavy metal music playing. And I will say right now that this is clearly not heavy metal. This is like EDM that's playing here. So I sure hope somebody got fired for that blunder. because well, that's. I don't... I don't know, Conrad. Maybe because this is like an alternate uh, reality. Maybe that this is heavy metal, and that <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that is true. Maybe you know, maybe heavy metal in this in this reality is like pop music in <laughs> in, in ours. I think that's probably probably right. So basically, he goes off. I, I just this part here. Maybe I'm completely. I missed a line. Which there's a lot of stuff in here that if you miss a line, you'll not know what's going on. But I I kind of thought it was that this is he went he went to a place where 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 he knew he could get some good info. That's what I. Sort of he went. He went to where the kids hang out. Yeah, like yeah, I think is, is like he, he basically like him wandering around, what shouting "Yo, I'm looking for gamers" made me feel very spoken to because as a man <laughs> in his mid thirties now, I was like, I know this feeling all too well, Kareem. <laughs> just like <laughs> just wandering gamers. around groups of like eighteen year old children, being like, "Gamer friends, someone come and talk to me." Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. This this is I didn't think too hard about how he knows about this place. I just like the fact that there's like this EDM dance club that he knows and and goes to when he wants to talk to like eighteen year olds about games. Um, yeah, okay. And- he seems very competent anyway. So him doing yeah. a move, going and doing a move like this to try and move forward in the case, it's not really. 
didn't really strike it too. Yeah, it just works. So he finds yeah. out about Q Symphony. They call them Q Kids, uh, yeah. and, and you need to see Big Blue in Oakland. <laughs> Q Kids is like the, uh, the 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 kind of uh, junior scouts of the QAnon. Uh, <laughs> it's much more to do with you know like arts and crafts and outdoors activities before <laughs> yeah. they get you into the the full on conspiracy theory stuff later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, I love when he shows up. He goes to Oakland. He shows up at the house. He walks in. They go, "You the plumber." <laughs> he's like no I'm a cop and then the guy's like no you're not <laughs> yeah. I, I, actually I just wanted to say something about that pre- in previous scene you know where he, he meets the guy who looks like he's a weightlifter and then he says oh I'm deaf and they have to go into like a cubicle to talk and then they talk yeah like, I think he's, he's making a joke that he's deaf because of the music I think oh well I'm, that, that wasn't actually I didn't even stop to think about that actually to be honest that's a good point but no the thing I was wondering was like I had subtitles on so I understood exactly what they said how yeah. on earth are you supposed to pass that dialogue if you don't have subtitles on I don't think you're supposed to I, it's okay. interesting isn't it like yeah I couldn't hear a word they were saying I was just no. reading it it's, so, yeah it's just odd to, to me because I was like well you've depicted this scene of them talking and you've subtitled it so that we can see what they're saying. But if I was just watching this, you know, without the subtitles on, I would have no idea what this conversation was about. Yeah, just yeah. odd to me. Yeah, so you've, yeah, exactly. So you just, you just, he goes into a room. It's a bit like in the, in the episode of The, of the Office whenever uh, Tim and Dawn are in, are in a room and like they take their microphones off and they get filmed through the window. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, except I don't, there's no subtitles in that part. Um, all right, so, he meets yeah. Zendaya. He does, yeah. Zendaya, Zoomers rise up. Fola. Uh, the character's name is Fola. Okay, Fola. I don't, I don't know. Do we actually get introduced to her by name in this episode? I didn't catch that if we did. I watched it with subtitles too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's also, uh, just to say as well, there's a very interesting kind of like satellite shot to set up this scene. Yeah. Which, um, given, and it returns to that a few times, um, almost as if there's like an international network of satellites that are doing some up to some funny business. Um, it, it, you know, reminded me of like Twenty Four as well. Yeah, <laughs> it was like, a little Twenty Four. You expect to see like the little, you know, the little <laughs> like location time coming along the the bottom of the screen. Like. I want to see a, I want to see like a like a split screen at some point. You know, like yeah. in Twenty Four, where it's like. Oh different angles or different locations alicia cuthbert and um the kingsley benedir like up to different things at different times yeah exactly uh all right well that that would be that would be great Uh, it's (laughs) it's, it's completely different to the style of the last season like can you imagine last season like if they just went randomly went out to the world and zoomed into the house they were all meeting in yeah that would have felt very out of place i I think like that's i think it is a notable a really notable change both kind of like tonally and and presentationally like the 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 last season was kind of it was kind of like it had a lot of like soft edges like it felt very much like it was just prairie story um and there was it it was very kind of i don't know i don't even really know what i'm trying to say here but there's there's just something about the increase in presence of technology in this uh, this episode which mm-hmm. is really striking and feels like it's immediately set this apart from the last season in a way that i'm that i'm very much into yeah yeah it does feel very different um okay so um we have fola takes kareem uh oh first of all actually fola was sitting there working on like a model uh yes. did you have any thoughts about this model um, I mean, it looked a bit like a strand of DNA, I thought. Um, it's kind of like a spiral staircase, almost, that it, yeah. that it looks like. Um, I'm not sure about the model itself, but, I mean, she's talking about how 
you know every person who's contributing to solving these puzzles Mm -hmm. is building a solution to a bigger puzzle and she mentions like the designer um of, of this q symphony stuff which I've got some thoughts about the designer. We'll get into that a bit later when uh, when Pierre Ruskin starts showing up. But um, yeah, that I don't. I I have no idea where <laughs> where this is going because it's immediately like okay. In the last season, we were dealing with okay NDEs. They trigger your ability to kind of you know experience stuff outside of the material plane. I'm all on board with that. And then suddenly in this this episode, we we've got into like almost like matrix architect style stuff with like self-learning algorithms and i'm, I'm just like, what i don't who what is happening brit brit marling what's <laughs> happening in this episode <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. i don't get understand her on, just get her on get her on to chat about it yeah uh, like explain to me how you went from the last episode of this season last season to this because i'm very much into it but i haven't got a fucking clue what's happening <laughs> yeah it's such a big difference like <laughs> yeah. there's three years between the seasons like three... and that's, that, i think that's one of the that that is a good point actually i wonder if that had part partially played into it where they were like you know what like we've it's been so long that continuity of tone isn't something we really need to worry about too much here um but it's what and one of the reasons why i also think that they are using a pi and um and then um the, what using a pi as your main character obviously has noir implications and one of the Mm -hmm. big um sort of staples of noir as a genre is the protagonist doesn't really know what's going on they're kind of being led along through this series of mysteries and we're finding them out as they find it out and i feel like that is kind of what we're getting here like uh, kareem washington is very much the audience analog where it's like i haven't got a fucking clue what's happening like (laughs) all right i'm just here looking for gamers and then suddenly there's you know zendaya talking about designers and puzzles that pay like millions of dollars just for answering it in in cryptocurrency yeah who who knows (laughs) Yeah, it's it is. Uh, it's a big change. It's a big change. Um, so Fowler takes Kareem uh, to the part of the game that goes IRL. So basically, Fowler yep. actually cheated for Kareem because Fowler actually did all the steps of the game for him before. It's kind of like it's kind of like when your your big brother does all the, all the levels of Mario to get you to the one where you want to turn turn into yep. a flying raccoon or whatever you do. Yeah, I, um, I brought a, I brought a friend uh, when I was in year seven, so I was eleven. I brought a year 11 friend that I've made when I was doing a play together with him around to my house to do all the hard bits of Ocarina of Time. Um, <laughs> that's very much what this was like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I actually, I don't actually remember ever beating Ocarina of Time myself. I think my brother did all the, uh, all the temples and I just was running around in Hyrule fields, like just running yeah. around. I mean, that's fun. the good bit. That's the, that's yeah. the bit you, you, you want to do. You don't want to do the bloody water temple. That stuff was a nightmare. Just, just, just know. continually turning into an adult and a child playing the Ocarina. That was the fun part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, play some, play some Ocarina. That's all yeah. I want. That's the <laughs> Epona's song. Okay. So, um, we've got, uh, some, let me see here. So how are we going to get through this scene? Which <laughs> Fola ta- takes him to the stairs. Uh, yes. He's got, he, he, he he, the the clue is above the sea, below the stars. He's looking through the thing. He's, there's a bit of augmented reality going on. Yeah, I he love see- the augmented reality puzzle stuff. That's so cool. Yeah, he sees a bird, birds flying, and he's like, above the sea, below the stars, birds. Looks yeah. around at looks around at Fola, and Fola's just like, he puts yeah. it in. I, I love how confident Kingsley Benadire looks every single time he comes up with a wrong answer. It's just like, <laughs> obviously, it's birds, and then yeah. like, so it's just like, eh. 
Yeah, but I also I just love the performance of uh, Zendaya as well. How she sort of she's so into him getting it wrong. Like she's just like she's so into his confidence. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, as well? yeah. She she very much enjoys what, taking him down a peg or two. I think in this scene. Yeah. Um, um, so eventually he finds out. He, it actually it pans up to reveal a beautiful view. Yes. Uh, where they are on the stairs and eventually it's actually a BA flight 411 yeah now I I didn't look up if there was anything to do with this flight that was of significance because I was like you know if I start looking this up I'm running the risk of seeing something that spoils me on something because you know if you t- if I type in like BA 411 and there's some something crazy that went on with it um then you know, I'll, I'll I'll find that out pretty immediately. Um, probably because of OA related theorizing, but I do wonder what the significance of this flight is. Um, yeah, I'm not sure to be honest, but it's, uh, it's something. Okay. Well, in 2016, it could have been different, but I literally just looked it up. Apparently, it's a flight from Ibiza to London. Oh, okay. That's interesting. <laughs> well, that's weird. Yeah, also, I, I also looked it up and there's a Reddit post someone put, which is, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's BA411. <laughs> okay, alright, well maybe, maybe there's just not, maybe this is like one of those like fam- famous red herrings I've heard about where, where Brit Marlon's just like, I don't know, it's a, it's a British Airways flight number, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> so actually, I didn't even say that, but I was thinking, is there any significance to like the uh, seven hours, 46 minutes later? You know what I mean? Well, I, yeah, I took that to be a time difference. No, no, yeah, 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 of course, but I, but I just mean like the, the like the time they chose. Oh, the actual to... time they chose. Oh, like, well, I mean, maybe that maybe that is literally the exact time difference between. I can't remember where the first season actually takes place. It's on the east coast somewhere. I think, Michigan. It? Oh, it's Michigan. That's right. Yeah. Um, I think so... those seven hours is too much of a difference. I think. Um, yeah. Also, if if it was yeah. a time difference, it wouldn't be later. Like it wouldn't. It would just be the same time. Um. Yeah, well, it depends on your perspective. That's why I, that was my read of it was like, okay, it's not actually seven hours later because you know it is, you know, it, well, it's seven hours later from where we were in the last season, but it's yeah, there, like everyone waking up in San Francisco. Um, I think seven hours is too much of a difference from uh, Michigan to. I don't know uh, Eastern Standard to what is it Eastern Standard to Pacific? I don't know what Michigan is, but I but I know but I know that. In a certain time of year, the difference between us and New York is only five hours. So yeah, but America's pretty big. Let's have a look. Mm, oh, yeah. oh yeah, you're right. It's about it's about three hours. So yeah. I don't know then. I don't know. Maybe maybe I was reading too much into that, and it was literally just like, yeah, this is seven hours from now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> perhaps. Like I did go the whole way across America, but I didn't go it all in one go, so I couldn't remember what the whole difference is the whole way across. But yeah, I knew it wasn't seven hours. Um, so. Uh, let there's some see. lines. There's some lines in this that I want to talk about. Like, so th- okay. So, uh, so there's a, there's a, there's like when when he does get it right. So he gets his flight number, um, and then uh, Zendaya starts talking to him about this is like uh, basically the, the the significance of solving a puzzle and how it's like a conversation between a puzzle maker and a player, yeah. and it's in her words, it's to help you escape the limits of your own thinking. To which um, Kareem Washington responds, "Sounds like God," which is interesting. It, like an interesting development in that dialogue is all I'll say for now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then I, I, she says a really weird line, which I, I mean the OA does this fairly often, where it kind of 
comes out with these bits of dialogue that don't that I don't dislike, but they completely catch me off guard because they're just weird. And um, there's one for Zendaya's character here, where she says, "I want you to fall in love," um, which I don't know what that means. I don't know what to read it and make of that at all. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, Zendaya's kind of fulfilling the Matrix Oracle role here. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. She's, uh, yeah she, you know, she's telling him to eat cookies and not worry about breaking vases and baking noodles and all sorts of things here. Yeah. And I, I feel like he's actually doing very well to take this all in stride. Because if I were in yeah. that situation, I'd be like, I understand what's happening here. I, well, I was, I was having it. to, I was having to rewind it all the time. Whereas he, he was like, <laughs> yeah. he didn't have to pause world, the world at all. He knew what was going on the whole yeah, time. And he, so. and he was solving a puzzle at the same time. So uh, Kareem Washington's smarter than me. I'll say that much for him. Yeah, he's very, very smart at this point. So he gets a new clue. Three wise men. Three wise men. Yeah. Which I'm not smart enough to even start unpacking <laughs> either. But I'm, I'm. This one's in your, like the ball's in your court for this one, Kareem. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, 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 you handle this one, Kareem. Uh, yeah. So, um, okay. So that's the sort of end of Kareem Washington's introduction. Uh, yep. We now move into Nina. Um, mm, it's a name we've heard before. It is a name we've heard before. So you hear. Well, first of all, the fella who we will come to know as Pierre Ruskin is talking on the phone, and he mentions Nina. Mm-hmm. Um, and he and Nina is saying you betrayed me. Um, uh, seen uh, she's seen things that she can't unsee. Um, how many were in the house and what did you do to them? Um, I'm not your partner partner anymore. I don't you want you anywhere near the house. And she takes off what seems to be a wedding ring. Yes. So oh, there's a lot here. Uh, so I, I think the house that they're talking about and how many are in it. Uh, coupled with what we see later in this episode when we go back to Kareem Washington makes me think that there's some kind of I'm not going to call it human trafficking but something which is close to human trafficking going on with Pierre Ruskin where he's basically bringing in uh, what looks to be fairly young people to do whatever kind of dream experiment they're doing at the um, I can't actually remember the name of the place the Curie Curie, cane, Cane Sugar plant thing that 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 um Kareem washington breaks into later um so i i'm assuming that this has something to do with that like he has people you know either either being prepped to go there or he is selecting people out of there to do more i suppose if i was thinking about it logically he's he's probably if he's letting people into a house that he shares with his with his partner um it's unlikely that it's people he doesn't know. He's probably pulling people out of that experiment to do more experiments on them in a more controlled environment at, at home. So that's kind of my read of that. I'm not sure what the betrayal is at this point, but my my read of their relationship is that it is a sham, that that she's not actually married to him, and that this, I mean, the fact she so willingly takes the takes the wedding ring off kind of seems seems to suggest something like that to uh, to me. Mm-hmm. Um, what else was there here? Yeah, I, I think, I think she's probably she was helping him, to some extent, perhaps unknowingly, with work similar to that which Hap was doing in the first the first season. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as to as to what that work looks like or what her role in it was, I'm really not sure at the moment. But it's it is like as soon as I saw Nina in this scene, I was I, I, and and you know heard Brit Marling's voice speaking in a Russian accent, I was a bit like. Ah oh, shit! Here we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, here we go. <laughs> We've been down this road before. Here comes Alt Alter Prairie. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. We need this to ruin a... all the family trees. Yeah, although we do come to find out very soon that it isn't prairie. But before we get there, Ow. on a boat... Yes. On a... Yeah, yeah, that's... Yeah, exactly. Not much to say about that. <laughs> on, on a boat... Uh, she holds up. She's got a, a key ring that's an eye. That's pretty cool. Yeah, um, I, I was a bit like, that seems like something that's probably important. I don't understand what the significance of it is. To yeah, be honest, like but... Prairie and the other one lost her sight, whereas in this world she has three eyes, so it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, all right. So then uh, Nina collapses, almost as if knowing what happens in a few minutes, almost as if she can feel the bullet in, in Prairie's chest. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think that's what like. So this is kind of one of the theories I came out of this. Um, this episode with um i think they are literally swapping places so i think that's why she can feel it it's because she is being pulled into prairie's body as prairie is pulled into hers um so she's already like as part of that process she's starting to experience that pain because i mean nina must go somewhere presumably she can't just disappear because prairie has jumped into her consciousness um so I wonder if there is going to be a fish out of water comedy with Nina like waking up in well, if assuming she survives, because um, yeah, Prairie did literally get shot in the middle of a chest, which is yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is in in the in the rankings of bad places to get shot. It's right up there, right in the middle of a chest. There's a lot of important things there. Yep, yep, exactly. Uh, so basically, Nina starts to have a fit of some sort. You start to hear the the, the sound of uh, the doc- doctors in in the ambulance with Prairie saying, "Prairie, can you hear me? Hold on." Uh, uh, you're going to be okay or whatever Um, Steve's running after it and then there's an absolutely fantastic um, transition shot from Prairie's universe into this new uh, universe in in Nina and they're both they're both in the ambulance so sort of it's transferred in Um, and I just love the the way that it 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 did a transition shot there it was so cool yeah Um, yeah so then Prairie immediately starts asking where is this and you notice that she's got an american accent now yes um so and then she um she said so one of, one of the one of the uh paramedics actually says she said she's been shot in the heart so um it shows you that uh so there what do you think about the whole transition of moving from one to the other yeah i think it was i think that was about as well done as it could have possibly been i i, I kind of i wasn't really sure what it would look like um, but I really liked how it was presented. I think it was it was very striking um, and really well done. Um, I'll be interested to see whether we see it from Nina's perspective as well at some point, or whether because we didn't we we kind of just got it from from Prairies, you know, her being in the ambulance going through the tunnel. Um, so yeah, I'll be interested to see where like if we see any more of that. But it, yeah, it certainly certainly was striking to look at. Okay, awesome. Uh, all right, so um, she wakes up at the hospital, very mm. similar to the way that she did in the first season. Yeah. Um, and the uh, first thing is Barack Obama isn't the president. No, that's great. Old, yeah, old, old Joey Joe Biden, Sleepy Joe, jo- Joseph Robinette Biden. Is... Is, that his, is that his middle name? Robinette. Yeah. Robinette. That's not a real name. <laughs> well, it is a real name. <laughs> uh, strange name, yes. Real name, definitely. Uh, very strange. Uh, so Prairie uh, says, "My name is Prairie Johnson." That says, "says here you're Nina Azarova." Um, asks to see a mirror. She says, "It's me, but it's not me." Yeah. Uh, then she just like in front of the nurse was like, "It's I did it. I jumped." Um, yeah. And then straight away. Is there a man here called Homer? <laughs> is there a Homer in this universe? Yeah, bring me the Homers. Um, <laughs> she also, interestingly, has a, a kind of set of bruises on her left arm, yeah. which look um, 
a little bit i might be barking up the wrong tree here but to me they look a little bit like the scarification marks her father uh had on his face when she saw him in Katoon's um worlds like the little kind of bumps that he had on his face that's the, that's the bumps to me looked very like i'm i I'm, the people in the comments have backed me up it just literally looked like braille this one didn't look yeah too that, much like braille to me they, they were they were slightly different that i mean i could be completely wrong but that's what that 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 kind yeah, of well, purely I, because it's a pattern that's what it kind of put me yeah, in mind it was of. a good pattern I, yeah i was wondering like that that pattern um it's interesting to see I, i'd like i'd like to obviously i know the answer and i just want to tell you now i can't overhype i i can't overhype the answer more i can't it is mind blowing. Do, 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 do you want to know what my what my guess for it is at the moment? Uh, okay, okay. Just it's not a theory; it's a guess. Okay. It, 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 like this is uh, this is I've got a couple of big swings coming out of this <laughs> coming out of this episode in terms of th- theories that aren't really theories because there's no way I could know either way. So I think I think this is binary on her arm, and I think there's going to be I, I think there's going to be some crazy fucking AI um simulation stuff going on here that's my that's my just out of complete left field i've got okay. no reason to believe this but i think she's got and i think maybe that's like the movement markings are going to play into this as well but i've got nothing to back this up i was just like i saw it and it's because like, it's like just a series of dots you know binary is either is you know yeah, well, it's literally it's binary it's one of two yeah. one of two things so um yeah that's that was my that was my guess for it right okay i would say i'm not going to tell you what, what it is but i but i'm just going to say in the first season, Prairie had scarification on her back, right? So it's it's a similar idea in this in this uh, season. Yeah. We've got markings on the skin. We don't know what they are. In the first season, you could maybe say that the 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 reveal of what the markings were was a little bit underwhelming because even though it played a really big part in the storyline, and I thought it made a lot of sense and I, and I did enjoy it. It wasn't quite the angel wings that. Yeah, it's uh, not like thought... a big thing. It's just like oh, that you know they're marking the movements on themselves so they don't forget them or whatever. Which yeah, I- yeah, exactly. Which is which is works perfectly and it's great. It's just not like quite an angel wing which you thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. But this time, I have to say to you, go mental, predict what you want for this. You are gonna love it. You okay. are gonna love it. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, I, I'd like it's. Yeah, there's a lot happening in this episode, and it's it's set me up for that. The, they basically what Britt Marling has done for this season is kind of tilled the earth of, of the O Age. They're like, plant away, plant away, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. go absolutely nuts. That's fertile ground. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, like, so that's what I'm going to go for here. And we get a late title card after this scene as well. Which, Thirty-eight minutes uh, in, so love a late title scene. card. Well, uh, yeah. Was it? I feel like the, the 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 first season it was basically the end of the episode though, right? Whereas this one's like well, smack 50, bang in the middle. It was fifty minutes in. It was when she started telling her story. Yeah, that's right. Um, whereas this one was the transition. Um, after we after her first like she first becomes Nina, then we get the title card. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so and it comes up. It doesn't say the OA like most TV shows do. It actually says the OA part two. Like this is a sequel. Yeah. Know? Yeah, there's a, there's there's a yeah there's a very cinematic quality to the way they do their title cards, which I'm a, I'm a big fan of. Yeah, yeah, and then so they uh, after the title sequence they go in. Uh, the title sequence itself actually is like around Earth and very like yeah, that's sat- where we see like, the satellite footage uh, footage again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So um, basketball. Kareem's playing a bit of basketball. Yep. Um, he shows. Uh, he tells the whole story to his mates of. Well, I, who I thought were his mates, and then he doesn't actually know the name of them all. So yeah. he literally just went down to these these people playing basketball and was like, "Hey, uh, 
do you know, can you help me solve this missing person thing? <laughs> yeah, that's what it seems um, like. Yeah, so uh, so that you go you go down and they're, and they're saying it seems like it might be like a recruitment tool for a tech company. Um, hmm. Maybe it's not a recruit. Oh, this is really interesting, actually. Um, the, the 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 female uh, character who we don't know the name of. Um, so let's we'll call her the baller. So the the baller. <laughs> the baller. The baller. <laughs> the baller. Right. The ba- the baller is um, mentions it could be crowdsourcing. Yes. Uh, which was really interesting to me. I, I love that. It was very quick, snappy dialogue, but I love the idea when they, when uh, Kareem said, what you mean like erasing the line between work and play, like hiding your sweatshop in the cloud? I thought that was really effective bit of dialogue. Yeah, I think this is um, this is an in- interesting bit of dialogue because it's, I think, it, it's tapping into something which is very realistic. You know, this um, kind of cult around uh big tech companies like google making their offices like absolutely amazing um so that you never feel the need to leave and therefore you know you basically work there 24 7 um and and, you know obviously working from home for a lot of people in the last year has has basically kind of broken down these barriers between home and work um so i think that's that is it's definitely tapping into something that's real um and and yeah like crowdsourcing um children or um or people who you know can't get jobs in the industry to basically do your work for you is it's like the company duolingo yeah where like where, where they, they translate the the web through people learning languages which obviously it's obviously a symbiotic relationship there but it is basically crowdsourcing their their, their labor yeah well i mean again you know it's kind of like machine learning and mm. and uh, and learning algorithms which i do wonder if they're going to get into this here but i mean there is to be honest there, there was at the end although i think i agree with everything that the the baller lady said there is still this niggling thought in the back of my mind that when in, in something that's kind of leaning into noirish kind of plot structures when a an unnamed character doesn't reveal their identity but turns up and reveals what seems like plot crucial information to the protagonist by naming pierre ruskin and saying oh i was one of these you know brilliant young people who Pierre Ruskin mm. utilized to um, you know crowdsource. I can't actually remember what it was that she developed. It was some kind of um, uh, low cost solar panel. Low cost solar panel. That's it. Yeah. Um, but when that happens, you always have to be a bit like, what's this character's motivations? <laughs> <laughs> because this information feels very convenient to be given to uh, to to just turn up in Kareem Washington's hands right now. Um, I just love the idea of this character like really, really wanting to tell someone that they created a low cost solar panel. And, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's their chance to shine. It's like finally, after all these years. Yeah. Um, so basically, we find out that Pierre Ruskin is actually uh, was known as like um, the holy prophet of the valley, and uh, was actually an a- the angel investor of Uber, Lyft, and a lot of blockchain and cryptocurrencies. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> now the way it sort of puts it across is that he knows what's going to happen or what's going to be popular or what is necessary for the market before uh, he should. Yeah, so I, I feel like he's kind of, it's kind of like rolling up like Steve Jobs and Elon Musk and all these kind of tech billionaires. With Biff Tannen. It, it, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. With, with Biff Tannen and his uh, software almanac. Like um, we're in the old, it's really weird, isn't it? That we're in the alternate world now 
and now we have a character who's able to predict the future. Like it's yeah. just like the alternate world in Back to the Future. Someone, someone's going to bring a hoverboard. I mean, we were ninety percent of the way there with the longboarding in the beginning. All, all we yeah, need I is didn't see any wheels. I didn't see any wheels. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, this was this was the scene where I fully was like, okay, yeah, we're definitely in an alternate world here. So I really need to learn to stop making predictions about, or, or, or stop. Uh, I need to learn to stop definitively saying they're not going to do alternate world stuff. Um, I because... just love the idea that no, no matter what the next show we do is like you, you first thing you predict is i, I predict there's an alternate world yeah if it's westworld i'll be like james there's, there's 30 james marsdens in westworld yeah. <laughs> all right and they're all they're all doing different things at different times you're not catching me out again fuck you um <laughs> yeah yeah it's it, it's um pierre, so pierre ruskin I'll, I'll reveal this theory now because i don't think there's going to be like necessarily a natural place to put this uh, put this in okay he's immediately set up as a very convenient antagonist so it's like okay you've got this mysterious game that no one seems to know the designer of but it's sending kids mad it's paying them lots of money and then mm-hmm. out of nowhere kareem washington is told by someone who he doesn't know the name or motivations of that oh this sounds like the kind of thing pierre ruskin would do and then we meet pierre ruskin and he's engaging in shady dealings with nina and he seems you know very controlling very much like a kind of dickhead billionaire he feels like a very convenient bad guy which makes me think that there's two there's one or two things going on with him either he's not the genius that he is believed to be and there's someone else who's kind of doing it for him or pulling his strings what I, I, okay no i'm gonna rephrase that i think that is true i also think we're never going to meet the person who designed uh, q symphony <laughs> that's like one of my big swings for this season i'm just like there's no way that pierre ruskin designed this game not in a million years are you setting up this like really big mystery of like who is the designer of this game and then it's like oh it's pierre ruskin <laughs> in the same episode i don't believe it Okay, so you don't think we're going to find out? Uh, that's about, that is a big swing. So, um, yeah. so do you, are you saying that we're not going to find out in this series, but we might have if the show continued, or just it's something that we'll not find out? Um, I, I, I mean, maybe they would have got to it eventually. I, I'm sure. I, I, feel, that feels like the kind of thing that they probably would have wanted to answer definitively. I, I, but I think, in, I don't think we'll find out in this season. Um, so I think okay. we'll be left to kind of guess who, it, who, who, or indeed what it might be. Okay, awesome. Okay, so we're back to Nina or Prairie or the OA. The names are growing. And yep. uh, she asked um, sort of, I don't know if it's like a therapist. I don't know what this woman is. I think she's like I think a she's a cop, right? Because she drops oh, her she off might, in oh, a police yeah, she, car. Yeah, she might be a cop, but that's why she's sort of so open with her and like sort of, yeah, okay, might be. And uh, basically, uh, Prairie has asked to try and find Homer Roberts. And uh, there's a psychiatrist in the Bay Area and there's a man in his 60s. Um, Prairie obviously is right straight away like oh okay it's none of those um, yeah silly silly girl silly girl uh, but what do you th- like when, when they said this psychiatrist in the Bay Area man in the 60s were you like Prairie at this stage were you just like oh okay well then there's no Homer um, no I mean I, I knew the Homer was 100% turning up in this in, in this episode it just wasn't going to be her Homer um, which th- there's an interesting I, 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 it's hard to kind of, kind of figure out exactly how the traveling or the jumping, as she calls it, works at this point. Because obviously she swapped places with Nina um, when she did it, which I guess implies that the same can be true for Homer. And well, we'll get there when we get there. Rachel and Scott, I think something happened there. We'll get into that when we get there because 
I think those. I think that they they seem to recognise. Um, they seem to recognise Prairie. Well, Renata Homer, was there too. Renata was also there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't actually. I don't remember if I noticed Renata's um, reaction in that scene. Um, well, I think she was right up at the, the window, like. You know, in like the, the others, in the oh, same okay. way as Scott. Yeah. Oh, uh, maybe maybe it was Renata and Scott then, and I just thought it was Rachel. Um, it did show Rachel too, but she was sort of the first in the corridor, and she was sitting. She did look at Prairie, but she was sitting on on a chair within the within the, the cell, I suppose. Okay, so I wonder if I I think that the Homer stuff is going to get into like a Homer is missing situation where like he has jumped and swapped with another one of his alternate selves but it's not the one in this reality maybe um mm. that's that's kind of where i was getting to uh, with this but I, yeah I was, I was pretty confident he was showing up but it wasn't going to be her homer so to speak okay awesome um so a development comes through that they want to keep nina actually we, we didn't mention this actually nancy doesn't know her so yes it's sort of just pr- pr- i think we all sort of knew when she had a, a, a russian accent that this she wasn't going to have been adopted into america yeah. But it sort of just implies that they did adopt the boy. Obviously, whenever she starts saying, "Listen, I know you went to a whorehouse and took a baby," Ned's like, I "Gotta get the call. Yeah, gotta, gotta go. go, gotta go, gotta go." And then <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, it's it's a nice little scene that between them, just to kind of you know show us a, another reality for Nancy, and and it seems telling that Abel's not there with her. So I guess maybe Abel's not alive in this one for that Nancy. I, d- I don't know how important Nancy and Abel are going to be for this. For this timeline it seems like that's them done basically um in 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 this reality but um yeah i enjoyed seeing seeing her because i don't know how much we're going to see her them this season yep okay awesome so she decides to go to the volunt- to voluntarily go to a private clinic on treasure island because someone's pulled some strings uh mm. for, for her which because there's, there's not usually an opening at this facility but there is now yeah um which is which is uh, very good news for Nina. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure she's thrilled by the yeah. by the end of this episode. <laughs> yeah, so um, so she goes voluntarily to this place, uh, but first they stop by her apartment. Um, yes. First of all, she didn't know how to use the key, which was pretty funny. And then um, the the doorman does it for her. Um, she's like really, she's like, oh my god, look at this place! Like after I finish the 14 day hold in the in the facility. Can I come here and sleep here? And they're like, <laughs> yeah. "This is your house." Like, <laughs> I love that she's like not considering who. I guess she, I suppose she doesn't know what's happened to Nina at this point. But I do, I do like that. There's like no consideration for the fact that she's just displaced someone who did live. Here. <laughs> it's like, oh, they're all right. They got shot. They're getting shot in the heart. They can, you know, they've got their own bigger, bigger like, fish to fry. Not once, yeah, not once in her mind is she thinking about this person's body. That this she's poor inside. woman. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it's it, it, I, I think this is a really good scene actually because it kind of gives you a chance to breathe, um, because this episode has been like non-stop information and exposition for the best part of an hour at this point, mm-hmm. and I found like in this scene it's it's a chance for both us and the character of Prairie to be like, Whew, okay, right, gather your things, let's get ready for for the end of the episode, but just take a moment, you yeah. know, fi- find. Find your sweatpants if you indeed own them, which, as it turns out, Nina did not own sweatpants. She just owns a bunch of a bunch of sexy underwear. Um, yeah, lots of lingerie. Lots of lingerie. Yeah, and we see um, we see the what looks like the 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 movement scarification on the button to mm. whatever is in that room. That's that's that was my kind of read of those. Actually, symbols. Yeah, it has a similar sort of look to yeah, it. Yeah, it's like a lot of like kind of chevron and arrowy looking things, which seems to be similar yeah, to I how think, that might I think I would agree with that actually. But uh but basically um it's funny as well what they do here, like the decision they made on the show. They made the decision like 
Right, okay, we'll spend a bit of time here now that we've moved into a, a different um, universe, now that we've got uh, Nina, who's Prairie now, now we've got this sorted up. Let's just take a minute and just like list through the things that happen in this universe. Even though everyone could just come to the conclusion themselves, let's list through it. Okay, so she didn't get on the bus that day, or she, yeah. didn't, die, you know, she didn't have any NDE. The four, her four friends still died on the bus. She yeah. didn't go blind because we see her playing archery. Is that the right word? Playing archery? Do, doing shoot, archery, I guess. Yeah. Shooting an arch. I don't also, know. Also, it's, it's an assumption that she you can't do archery when you're blind. Yeah, well, exactly. like, we don't know what she's shooting at or if she hit it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It could just be like this, you know, Russian custom just to pose with a with a bow and arrow at, at, at <laughs> yeah. a certain age. But I guess um, she never met Katoon either. So that 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 was a big thing for me. Is like, well, she she never had an NDE, never went blind. I guess yeah. never met Katoon. She might just be like a normal normal woman in this. Uh, not yeah. That, not the prairie's not normal, you know what I mean? Well, I think we could all say prairie's not normal. That's, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. That's I think sure. we're, we're within our rights to say that <laughs> what she has experienced is abnormal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it's funny how it was such a big like focus and a big deal, like all this lingerie. Um, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. it, it just seems like Nina's possibly a character that doesn't have any downtime, doesn't have any relaxation yeah. time. I was more impressed by how neatly it was, uh, it was folded away, to be honest, because my yeah. underwear drawer does not look like that. Like, no, just, no, it might, it's literally just throw it in. Just a crumpled, crumpled ball of pants. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. You go by color. You go by color. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, so they, uh, we get Kareem uh, is tailing Pierre Ruskin. Um, yes. That obviously comes back uh, a little bit later on. Um, mm. Actually, no. Uh, we would we'll say we we'll say now because um, we could just skip over that they arrive at Treasure Island. Uh, Prairie does, but we don't have to worry about that right now. We'll yeah, talk about well, that in a minute. I, I, I mean, the one thing I'll say at the beginning is that the cop who has previous, like, seemed kind of like a sensitive soul seems to ha- take a bit of a character turn here. Like, as she's kind of led in by men in white coats, it's a bit like, uh, I think you've been let you, you've been tricked into something here, Prairie, and the cops who's uh, taken you here seems to be in on it to me. So. We'll or it's almost, it's almost like as well like the cop was just the whole time like being like i'll be nice to you don't go crazy you know um, yeah just to get her here so they could institutionalize her basically yeah exactly um so ruskin uh goes into curie as we mentioned before um now the logo kareem remembers the logo was actually on michelle's roof yeah that she was writing on um Kareem does something really, uh, really smart here. He actually crashes into the cleaners' van. Yeah, yeah, this is genius. Starts speaking Arabic to them, uh, and then wants to replace them as a, as a cleaner because obviously if, on the security cameras, it makes complete sense why he would be talking to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, keeps him undercover. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. A little way to I, do it. I wonder if him speaking Arabic is important as well i mean you know obviously there are arabic speaking people in san francisco it might just be a coincidence well his name's, you know, his name's kareem so yeah that's that's true I, I just i mean it just seems significant to me that he is the second arabic speaking character we have met in this show and the first one was like an and kind of extra planar being <laughs> so, like... yeah 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 i know i know i know exactly what you mean there could be there's definitely maybe something in that um, but I think as well, his name is Kareem. Yeah, it's very clear. You know, it, it, people the, speak Arabic as well. It's not implausible yeah, yeah, that yeah. he could just be of yeah, Arabic like, descent. Obviously, obviously, the wider the wider view of the show, it's cool that he's speaking Arabic. There's sort of symbolism there. But in in the character itself, it's like his name's Kareem. I'm like, I'm sure he has some you know Arabic background within within himself and his family. So sort of makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, okay, so he stumbles into a room. When he's a cleaner, he stumbles yeah. into a room where they're listening to. I'm gonna let you tell us what they're listening to. Um, 
it sounds like a lot of people talking about their dreams to me that's what it that's what it seems like to me um and it, i think it's the on its own that wouldn't seem too um they wouldn't seem too, too suspicious i guess but the fact that this building literally looks like a supervillain's lair in batman like it's it's like an abandoned ironworks called cnh cane sugar where there is no sugar going on no sugar work going on anywhere <laughs> here it's just a bunch of like neon red lights and black rooms with people listening to people dreaming and recording their thoughts is like okay this is this is literally like something out of arkham asylum this is not this is not a good place that you've come to here. Um, but yeah, it so does I'm... actually have the air of like something that could turn into a superhero show. Like, yeah, absolutely. It? Like it looks like someone's going to get pushed into like a vat of stuff and come out as the Joker in, the, in this 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 building. Um, but yeah, so I think they were talking about like dreams and describing their dream sequences. And and the reason I so to go back to what I said previously about. Um, nina having the kind of marks on her arm that, mm-hmm. that i thought was like oh maybe that was like binary or something is yeah. that a little bit later once um once he kind of diehards his way through the uh through the vents to to, to to see what's going on you've got this like big circular room full of people in beds recording stuff into microphones um yeah. looked like an eye to me the the, the layout it did look like an eye. That's true. Um, that's a that's a that's a good point. I think there's definitely some symbolism in that compared to the keyring that that, that Nina had. Yeah. But I, I also think that central kind of plinth looked yeah. like some kind of like learning computer or something to me, which is why I keep going back to this idea of like computer programs and it being there's, there's some there's some AI fuckery going on here. I'm almost certain of it. Well, there was there was like um, the program that they were looking at in that little room. Where it was, it was sort of connecting all the words together. Yeah, like it was doing like a word words. cloud. Yeah, yeah, word cloud. So maybe that's just where all the recordings are going in and getting translated into into you know text, and then you know yeah, or maybe it's proper machine learning AI going on as well. Yeah. Um. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, so okay, so we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, what's going on that in that uh, big factory? Uh, yes. So pre- Prairie is in 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 now in the uh, private clinic, and she's drawing on the wall. Uh, trying to get her head around what's happening here so she sort of splits off into nina and into her so she recognizes that her and nina have a shared past yeah um and she also said she also has um she also uh writes nde with a big rectangle almost implying that she thinks or this maybe this is my own analysis but it's implying to me that she thinks that this splits in the timelines happen when people have near-death experiences yeah, I think that was my that's my read of it. I don't know if I agree with her analysis necessarily, just because mm-hmm. we know that Nina didn't get on the bus. So yeah. I, I mean, I guess she wouldn't. She didn't have the NDE because she didn't get on the bus. But to me, the decision to not get on the bus is the it, the yeah. thing that splits the timeline. Yeah, there. surely, <laughs> surely, if you would think that that feeling was correct, you'd be like, well, in one of the places, Prey would come back, and the other place, she would stay with Katoon. That would yeah. be like the the split. Yeah. Um, or maybe she's just saying, "Well, I had I had an NDE. I'll just keep that there. I'll just in case I forget. I'll keep just, yeah, that just keep that up there, just to just to make sure you don't forget." Um, yeah. But then uh, we get, yeah, we get the scene from the end of the first season. Yes, we do. Like it's uh, we get finally get her waking up, or not waking. And up, I will like, say that I I sort of accidentally <laughs> well I didn't I didn't spoil anything for you, but in the chat we were having when I said there's like it could be two things, it could be this or this, and I, one of the things I said it could be a mental institution. It's funny actually because in that moment, as soon as I said it, I was like, "Hang on, it is." Uh, what what did I just do? I just literally told you what it was. But 
I didn't even realize before I said that that it's it is. It, I remember it was what it was, but it wasn't even in the same ballpark as me because I was talking about when I said mental institution. I meant mental institution within her own world. Yeah. And what I meant, what I meant was that you know she had she was in there because she was mental from and nothing was real. So we, now that we know she did travel. And, but she's in a mental institution. She's in it for a whole different reason. So that's just to explain why I said that. No, yeah. no one was accusing me of spoiling things for you, but I, I just have to say that, you know, myself. <laughs> I think, I mean, it was a pretty, even from, you know, the, the fairly uh, tight shot we got of her at the end of the last season, mm-hmm. it looks like a very clinical setting now. So it was, it was, it was, it always to me looked like it was going to be a hospital or, you know, some kind of, some kind of um, health related institution. Yep. Okay. So you said in the last episode that you didn't think the person she was looking at was going to be Homer. No, that's true. Technically, you're correct, I suppose. <laughs> no, I'm not going to give myself that. I'm not giving my... Like, it is Homer. It's just not her... It's not her Homer. Um, yeah, and I like the way when she said Homer, he, like, looked freaked out and he looked at his badge and was like, oh, okay, thank God. Thank God there's an explanation as to why she knows my name because that was about <laughs> yeah. to get weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, glad everything's back to normal now. Um, yeah, and then he takes her off to uh past and- rachel renata scott they're all yeah, looking at her th- you know they i'm fairly certain that rachel renata and scott are her rachel renata and scott um based on how they are re- reacting to her um mm-hmm. as she walks past them um homer clearly clearly isn't um and yeah he takes her to meet another another familiar face yep another familiar <laughs> face mr dr hunter percy um yep. And he's uh, apparently like a, a very well-renowned uh, scientist here. And what was Hap short for? I can't remember if this is, if we actually got Hunter Aloysius Percy. Oh, okay. So he's he was Hunter Percy in the in the, yeah. the 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 regular world as well. I couldn't remember his full name, so I was like, has he made up a name for himself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he's he's here um, now. It's interesting to me <clears throat> because the show has done. It's a trope, right? Now it's interesting that are they actually making a comment on the trope and like reinventing the trope? They are reinventing the trope, I'll say that. But they are also partaking in the trope. The trope of first season being a an escape season, and then in the second season they just throw them right back in. You yeah, know? yeah. Put them, put them like you change the place, but you keep the situation the same. Job yeah. done. Um, yes. Oh well, and I think they have. Um they've expanded the scope of this in the sense that the hap that she is now imprisoned by i don't think it was well, it's, it's clearly not her hap so to speak but he I, I the impression i get from him is that he knew she was coming which means he has communicated with her hap somehow which i'm very interested to see how that how that plan also you you out. think that scott uh, Renata and Rachel are all her, her people but you don't think Hunter Percy is not hers is that what you No no i think he he definitely knew she was coming, which means mm-hmm. either either Scott, Rachel, and Renata have told him that, or I think more likely that her hap has told him that. Maybe by jumping and I don't know, writing something down and then jumping again, so that this guy gets his body back or something like that. Um, and but, what can, can you just explain? is it just a feeling you're getting, or what is it in particular that thinks that this isn't hap? Um, but because he says, um, what does he say? He it like said uh, he. He says something which implies that he expected to meet her, which is not what he would say if it was her hap. You know, if it, if, if it was someone who had met her before, he would be much more familiar and, you know, uh, would would um, 
wouldn't talk about having expected to meet her. Um, I, I can't remember the exact line now, but I definitely got the impression okay. that it's it's like this Hap is meeting her for the first time. Um, so where is her Hap? And I guess the answer is probably with her Homer, wherever he is. Mm, okay. Interesting. Uh, and then it ends with uh, Prairie attacking him. Yeah, yeah, just leaping at him. Yeah, not a good thing to do with the doctor on your first day in the mental institution. That's, that's No, absurd. and it's, it's not going to get you in the good books of any of the orderlies there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely not. Uh, all right, well, that is the huge, detail-packed first episode of the second season. Yeah. Do you want to get into the roundup? Yeah, let's do it. IMDb rating, 8.9. A big jump up from last season. Yeah, I think I... I think I'd probably agree with that. I think this is a really, really strong episode. Um, there was a lot I loved in this episode. Like a lot, I'm sure I missed as well. Like I think I was, I was kind of a little bit overwhelmed at times by just how much they were throwing at you. So yeah. I, in in some ways, I kind of hope next episode is a little bit leaner, um, just to, to to give me some time to like kind of reflect on everything that's happened. But in terms of an opening to a season, this was a really strong one. Yeah, like the tonal shift from the first season. The first season was very, like, had a lot of details in it and stuff, but it was very slow, very methodical. Yeah. Almost like Prairie herself telling a story. That's how it was. Mm. And this one was probably like, in the big city now, bang, 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 bang. You know, and it was yeah. like, really. It's like, get on board say, or get out of the way because we're yeah. going. Yeah, and, and like, we talked a little bit before we started um, uh, recording, but the, the idea, like, the, it was added to so much. I don't think that this first episode would be seen as such. It, I'm going to be honest with you, an improvement on the first season uh, in terms of a lot of aspects. I, I enjoyed the first season a lot, don't get me wrong. But the, one of the reasons why I love the OA so much is because they just upped it. You know, it, to yeah. me, they just they completely knocked this second season out of the park compared to how good the first one was yeah. for me. And then they were just like, upped it. Like, they could have it could have failed spectacularly. They didn't. Yeah. But the introduction, like, it wouldn't have been as good as it was without Zendaya and Kingsley Benadire. They were fantastic. Yeah, and I think... <clears throat> I. I... I, I totally agree with you. I think in the first season, uh, Britt Marling and Jason Isaacs were having to do a lot of heavy lifting dramatically. Not to say the other rest of the cast are bad actors. I just think they are maybe a little bit more limited um, and, the, and the, the writing was a lot more conservative for them. Um, and as you say, it was quite slow paced. And then in this episode, it's like suddenly you've got Kingsley Benadir and Zendaya who are both brilliant actors. Um, Jason Isaacs is back, so we expect to see see more of him. We got got some Brit Marling as well, so that that's already a huge step up in quality just for the, just for the kind of actors you have in the show. But then, just the complexity of 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 what they're dealing with here is is ma- is a massive jump up. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's they they've expanded the scope of the show so brilliantly in this episode uh, that I I kind of am stunned by it. I don't know how where this show's going to go or how they're going to resolve a lot of what they've thrown out. Obviously, I know this is they didn't get to make a third season, so there's probably going to be some stuff in this that they don't get to resolve. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's a really, really marked step up in quality uh, for this season. Yep. Okay, awesome. Uh, what, are there any theories that you had that you haven't told us yet? Um, let's consult the Matrix. Hold on. So, uh, I don't think Pierre Ruskin designed Q Symphony. Uh, Nina was helping Pierre on work similar to Haps. Nina and Pierre's marriage is a sham. We will never meet the designer of the puzzle. 
and the markers on the closet door in the penthouse are the symbols of the movements. And then there's also the one with the timeline for Buck slash Michelle makes no sense, so there must be an alternate version of each character. Um, okay. And that's that the one was, the that, listeners are going to tell us about. Yeah, that one was kind of confirmed in the same episode, so I don't know whether whether we'll count that one. But um, but yeah, so those those are the big ones coming out of this. But they're you know pretty pretty big pretty big um, theories coming out of this episode, which was nice because I think. The one, the, the thing that I'd noted with the OA when compared to our previous show, Dark, was that the amount of theory, amount of um, scope for someone like me who doesn't kind of microanalyze a lot of aspects of shows, mm-hmm. but kind of just takes things as they come. Uh, the scope for someone like me to th- create theories wasn't as rich as with Dark, whereas Dark, like even even if you're only kind of just watching the show on a fairly surface level there's still so much to sink your teeth into here in the first season yeah. of the OA there's less of that this was like a really promising start to a season in terms of how much they're giving you so I, I hope I do hope they give me some room to breathe because holy mm. shit I was like okay hold on I need to change gear here guys <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't ready for this um, but uh, but it's, it is still yeah very very exciting for the future imagine being me and waiting three years for the next season and then this is what you get you're like what did i just watch (laughs) have i missed a season what's happened yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) exactly um i will just say for the listeners who are conrads who are going along with us week by week and for conrad himself um there (laughs) there is some details from season one that appeared in this episode okay that you didn't pick up on it seems so anyone in the comments if you want to spoiler tag and chat about that or come to the discord and chat about that we have a different uh conrad and anthony sections on the discord you can chat about it there but there are some big moments in this episode which you did not notice okay that's interesting mm-hmm. mm, i'm curious okay. now someone someone slide into my dms and let me know what i'm what, <laughs> what, what i missed so i can look right. smart on the podcast okay awesome we got we got one or two uh comments so let's go to the youtube uh listener questions okay let's do it a stranger from the outside. First question comes from Helen O'Grady. And if you want to ask a question of your own, put a comment underneath the pinned comment uh, on this video or send us an email at adpodmail at gmail.com. So Helen says, I just finished watching it and what the fuck? <laughs> I, <laughs> she said uh, WTF, but I thought it'd be funny if I said what the fuck. I was not expecting a complete change of narrative, but the way it kind of came together at the end of the episode was good questions uh what was going on in that room uh kareem looked down into a bunch of people recording their dreams why um well i mean okay so if you're if we are to understand that from haps research an nde allows you to travel beyond your physical form um, then it kind of stands to reason that through sleep there is an element of that also potentially happening. You know, that you are kind of your brain is going somewhere else or your mind is going somewhere else during, like, you know, obviously a much milder, milder version of that. Um, so, so I, I'm assuming it's a similar kind of research to that. You know, this idea of projecting the consciousness out into something else while we while we sleep um that that will i guess tie back into haps research but it is a good Mm -hmm. question because i mean that's based on me having maybe read an article about people studying what our brains do when we sleep like five years ago as a very much a lay person so who who the fuck knows Helen? really (laughs) it's my it's my answer to that 
who knows what's going on yeah uh just wait till you see where prairie got those marks on her arm helen your, your mind's gonna be blown too it'll be so, pierre ruskin my favorite moment of the whole show just just you know when you find that yeah. out uh so what's with nina nina's boyfriend pierre ruskin and, and the game did he get her this is still helen by the way did he get her committed because she dumped him in the first scene did she know too much who is he if i don't remember if i don't remember if we saw his face in the first scene they seem to be very obviously hiding his face yeah i, I feel like he's probably quite a memorable or well-known actor <laughs> If the fact that we haven't seen his face yet, that's my that's my guess on that. Um, I, I, to be honest, when when we first saw, we saw, you see kind of like the side of his head when he's talking on the phone to Nina, and then um, I think we do, uh, uh, I think we see him somewhere else as well, but only see kind of like a like not a full profile. But I was imagining he was going to be played by I've completely forgotten his name now, but the actor who played like the sniper in Inglorious Bastards, who they make a film about. Um, I cannot remember the actor's name. It's really going to annoy me, but yeah. uh, that's that's who I imagined it was going to be played by, just because he had a similar kind of stature about him. But um, yeah, I, that is a good question about her being institutionalized when um, when he when she you know she's ostensibly his partner. I think mm-hmm. it could be that she kind of broke up with him uh, or Nina broke up with him beforehand. I think that's probably played into it. I also get the impression that he's working with other people or is working with with you know at least someone else to help further his research i don't think he's going to be the genius that he's been set up to be i I think he i think that's too easy i think there's there's going to be other people at work behind the scenes who are kind of guiding his hand and his research who are maybe telling him that uh or in this case have maybe told him that Nina isn't who he thinks uh, she is, and uh, have have forced him to to institutionalize her or something. Okay, very interesting. Uh, last question from Archmaster Rennie says: Does Conrad think we'll stay in the reality we're in during episode one for the whole season, <laughs> or will Prairie jump into another reality? I t- this is an unfair question because I always get burned on whatever. <laughs> I always get burned on this. I'm like, there's no way. There's no way we'll do a third reality slash timeline, and then next episode we're in the fifties. Um, <laughs> do I think? Uh, there's just there's so much ground to cover in this reality. That how is it? Eight episodes this season as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That it just. I, it would be crazy for them to put another t- another reality in this show when they've only just given us the second one. But I'll get. Uh, I'll say yes. I'll say yes. There's going to be an- <laughs> another one just because I've been burned before. But it's. I don't know how they will do it because they. They. It feels like they've not even scratched the surface of what we've got to find and see in in this this alternate reality. Um, okay. So that theory is that we will see another reality in this or or the prairie will jump to another reality i think i think we'll see one i don't know if prairie will jump be explicitly the one who jumps to it but i, okay, I think, so keep I think it we'll see vague. another one depicted yeah. yeah okay pretty cool uh all right guys that's us for this week uh thank you very much for joining us we'll be back for episode two of season two next week uh any closing thoughts connor before i do all the plugs before we go uh my brain doesn't work anymore because of this episode but I, i'm looking forward to uh pierre ruskin turning into the joker in the next episode yeah, no, I can't wait for that either. Um, all right, guys, make sure you subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. Give the video a like, uh, ring the bell, ding. Uh, send us an email, aodpodmail.gmail.com if you have uh, questions or even just anything you want to tell us. Um, if you want to ask Connor a question, leave a question underneath the pinned comment on this video or email us at that email. 
there is a t-shirt link underneath if you want to support the podcast uh the ad pod uh sorry yeah ad pod t-shirt basically i was gonna say ad pod mail t-shirt don't send things to the t-shirt it will not read them uh we also have a link well we don't know well that's that's true uh also send us uh join the discord if you want to chat about the shows we cover uh apart from that thanks very much for listening and goodbye goodbye Thank you for listening. The After Dark Podcast has been a Culture Cave production. Please subscribe on audio apps as well as on YouTube at The Culture Cave. Join us next week as Conrad journeys further into the unknown.